today we're going to be looking at the loss of freedom. Loss of freedom. In this chapter we won't look at the word freedom. What in the world does that really mean? Beings that we live in the free world, America, it means we are free, right? I mean, after all, we don't live in a communist or a socialist country, so we are free to do as we like. Man has more than just his time here on this earth to think of, and there's going to be a spiritual existence that the Bible teaches that will last forever and ever. It is called eternity. We live on the, on the earth for about 70 years or so, some longer, some shorter. And the point is, this short period of time as compared to eternity is like a vapor of steam. And, and uh, in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 14, it references that, uh, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, which we don't, for what is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while or a little time and then vanishes away. And people have seen steam come off of a, a pot and uh, it dissipates rather quickly as it uh, goes upward in the, in the air and it just disappears. And that's the way our life is. We're here for a short period of time and then we, go, we uh, fade away. Now, there are two words that we need to expound on. One of them is called the will, like you have the will to do whatever, you, you know, so-and-so. And the other word is freedom. And they must be defined in order to understand uh, the content of this lesson. Number one is the will. It's the capacity to act. We have the will in a free country to do what we want to. So we have the capacity to act. Now, freedom, uh, number two, is called freedom. And this is the ability to act freely or act well. Also, it means to be released from captivity or slavery. And that was a point of this uh, lesson and what I said earlier was because of what the work that Jesus did on the cross. Uh, he set us free from the captivity of sin. It is actually a troubling thought to think of how man uh, is held captive within himself. Man should be free both physically and spiritually. Physical freedom is so important for us to have. No one wants to be restrained by a dictatorship to be told when and where they can or cannot go or what they can say uh, or what they're allowed to do. Now, freedom for Americans and the free world is easy for us to understand compared to, say, uh, Russia, North Korea, China, and so forth. There's many uh, dictatorship-type countries in the world. Uh, the lack of freedom is very easily transposed into a violation of human rights. And, and that's what it comes, comes out to because the dictators or the people that rule these, uh, these uh, countries where there's no freedom, uh, they usually keep uh, the wealth for themselves and the people suffer. Now, human rights are the basic needs of life, food, clothing, water, and shelter and the right to, to live life. You should have the right to live life. There are literally millions and millions of people in the world today that suffer from the lack of human rights, either through basic needs or they are suffering physical abuse as they do, right, uh, do not have the right to exist. And some of the countries that do that are, are being uh, overrun by Islam, by radical Islam. I'm not, I'm not against the Muslim. I'm just saying that the radical Islam is the one that, that produces a terrorist. 
But every person on the earth that does not know Jesus Christ, and this is the spiritual aspect of this, and believe upon him suffers from spiritual imprisonment. You suffer from spiritual imprisonment. Mankind has been in the spiritual prison ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Satan has captured the mind of man and contaminated his spirit. Satan blinds and deceives mankind to the point of not being able to find God or sense his spirituality. Uh, this is a loss of freedom. We are held as slaves to sin and to the devil's doings. So as you can see, we can understand this situation of physical freedom. We can physically see this and understand that freedom is what it uh, is because uh, it can be seen and touched. But when we say spiritual freedom, now a lot of folks don't understand this part. They don't know exactly what that means. So now we come to the part of the will. Now in the physical existence, we have the will to be free, and also we will to do as we please. That's what I was saying earlier. But now we consider the freedom of the extent that we have the will to act as we want. This can only apply to those of us that are physically free in the world. For those who live in communism or under dictatorship, as mentioned above, it matters uh, not what the individual's will to do. They are held back and suffer from a lack of freedom, and their will suffers the results of the captivity. And what it's basically saying is that they have the will to want to do something, but because of the situation they're in, their circumstances, they're, they're not actually able to express their will of what they'd like to do. In the popular mind, freedom is the ability to do whatever you desire. But in the biblical teaching, freedom is the ability to deny yourself in order to serve God. So the Christian has a different uh, set of uh, things, spiritual freedom, if you will, uh, by his will is to uh, deny himself and to serve God. Freedom is also and always in terms of goodness, free to do good or not free to do good. I always look at this issue as God's will. It is God's will where we are and in what country we live in. None of us had any choice of who our parents were to be, nor did we choose which country we would live. This is all decided by God. We are born exactly where God wanted us to be. So when it comes to freedom, both physically and spiritually, we could easily say that those of us who live in the free world have a deeper responsibility to build and support Christianity, Jesus is the church, and help our fellow man to find salvation through evangelism, prayer, and support. We are free and have unlimited religious freedoms and have the ability to impact the not free world with the word of God. Giving these people hope that through our love for them, they may develop the faith needed to be saved. I also believe because of this, uh, that we as free people of the world will be held to a higher level of responsibility before God and his divine judgment. People in the free world have a responsibility to witness to the unfree so that they might have, uh, get the gospel and the word of God. Now let's go deeper into this spiritual freedom and see what and how we can deal with it. First of all, we said earlier that Satan has blinded the senses of man as far as God is concerned. 
other words, there is really not a free desire to seek God because of this. Man's willpower is such that if he desires to investigate something, he can. Satan may try to intimidate the individual to see things like he does, like Satan does, but guess what? God is greater and God is more powerful than Satan ever hoped to be. And God says if man will seek him, he will be found. Satan cannot stop God from searching for that soul that is seeking him. God is reaching down with his marvelous grace and his love with a mighty hand that Satan cannot comprehend or even hinder. Okay? Satan hinders the man. He does not hinder God. If man will call out to God and seek him, God will come and rescue the thoughts of man and show him the truth, therefore defeating Satan and his lies. But this is, this is hard when people live in a country or a place that God's word is restricted or not allowed. In other words, these folks don't have religious freedoms. They are imprisoned and persecuted even unto death in some cases. And one of the greater evils in the world today, as I mentioned earlier, that's uh, directed by Satan, I believe, that it is frightful and has brought death to many of the saints. I'm talking about Islam, radical Islam, uh, the terrorist. This is a terror of the modern world. These people are trying with all their power to convert the world to the Muslim religion. But as a born-again Christian, knowing Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I'm telling you that that's never going to happen because Jesus will not allow it. God is not going to allow them to take over the world. If a person does not agree to convert and deny Christianity, they are put to death. The mindset is growing at an alarming rate today in the Muslim world, or this mindset is, mainly in the Middle East and some other smaller countries around the world and, and Africa and so forth, we find such a, a lack of spiritual religious freedoms. Now these people in uh, this religious group uh, do have some freedom of thought, but because of the satanic influence of where they live, they have been reared in this mindset and actually know no other way of life. As we view religious freedom, we understand that this means you have the right or privilege to believe and worship what and how you like. However, in the Islam, the, the radical Islam, I will say again, you do not have this freedom. You will be killed if you do not convert to their way of life or their way of thinking. Now, the will of man has the capacity to make decisions, but his decisions are evil because of his nature, and his nature determines his decisions. These decisions can be nothing but evil because they spring from an evil nature. Good water does not come from a polluted spring, and the inability of, or loss of freedom means that uh, men are not really free when it comes to sin. God is and has no sin, so sin belongs to man. Man is bound by sin and can do nothing, nothing good. I want to explain my view on what we are saying here. Our, our will is simply the ability to act or to decide something, as said above, make decisions. In this sense, man is free and can act accordingly because he has a will that can act. Man is free to act on his own as he determines. We have the free will to act on evil or act on good. 
or the uh, on the devil or on God. These are major and complicated decisions for men to deal with. As said earlier, man's evil nature because of sin is drawn naturally to evil and pleasure to himself. His character is self-determined and not compulsive. Outside of influences, outside influences, heredity, events, and environmental do impact these decisions, but the choice itself from the will and the self-determination arises from within and not from without. Man's choices are not forced upon him from an exterior source. Man's choices are man's choices. The act of man through his will and self-determination can only be consistent with man's nature. Man is a sinner and can only act sinfully. Man, like God, cannot violate his nature. If you remember, we stated that God could never change his nature. This is in chapter uh, 2, I think it was, about nature of God. And man also cannot change his nature. And also, man cannot act inconsistent to his nature. Think with me for a moment and picture a bird and maybe a fish. The fish can only swim, and the bird can only fly. They cannot act inconsistent with or against what they are. Okay, because of Adam and the fall of man, thousands of years ago, man sins and can do, do no other. Man sins willingly. God does good willingly. In fact, God can only do good, and man can only sin. There is nothing outside of man that makes him sin. It arises from within him freely, voluntarily. So man freely, willingly, and voluntarily sins. He can do only evil. Holiness and righteousness belongs to God. Sin and evil, evilness belongs to man. Numerous passages speak of man's deadness, sinfulness, his inability to do good or to please, or to please God. And we're going to go discuss a couple of these. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole list. And uh, it'll be in the, the PDF file that's in Sermon Audio or, or it's in the book. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 5. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. That's what we were saying earlier. It's John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus in your life, you can't do anything. So that's in John chapter 15, verse 5. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James chapter 3, verse 8. Man is uh, really in an awful state of existence, if you think about it. So now the question arises about accountability and should it be considered? Should we be held accountable? Accountability for sin is necessary and has to be dealt with. Okay, to answer the question. God, his creation and all that he stands for is holy, righteous and belongs only to him. Man is a sinner and must be held accountable for his willful action of sinning. Man's self-determination and sin are his own and are not others. Each person has his or her own sins, and all this sin and evilness before God has to be dealt with and have a level of accountability. Man has the responsibility to obey God's laws and is held accountable for not obeying them, 
but that does not mean that man has the capacity to obey them. In fact, spiritual death means that man does not have the ability to obey them. Now let's look at separation. Now in this section, we will open the idea of separation. Separation from what? There are a series of separations that occur in mankind, and they are directly linked back to the original sin of Adam and Eve. Sin entered the perfect created order of God, the creative father of the heaven and the earth, and brought chaos to unity and disorder to order. As I've said many times, it, uh, is, God is not the creator of chaos or disorder. However, due to the, first, or due to the fact that man uh, was given free will to choose and make decisions on his own, he decided to be persuaded by Lucifer that they, Adam and Eve, humans, if you will, were better and equal to God. That's what Lucifer uh, deceived Eve with. Okay, and once this occurred, we have the first separation of man. The introduction of sin did not change God, but it changed man, alienating him from God's dimension and presence. Thus, man's existence is really a lonely and tragic struggle for peace. The theological problem is separation from God. So man is a sinner, and his natural, natural state or in his natural state, is an evil being. Now, Adam and Eve sinned through disobedience in the Garden of Eden. They simply disobeyed God's rules. God did not come down and tell them they did wrong. From the moment they accepted and fell into Lucifer's plot, they knew they were infected with sin. That's the, the reason. They, they were like God because now they knew sin. Now, watch what happened next. God calls out to Adam and asks where he was. Now, do you think God really needed to, to uh, Adam to needed Adam to answer him and tell him where he was? No, he did not. God knew where they were, and knew what had happened. They hid from God because they felt shame and guilt. This was a complete new sense of feelings neither of them had experienced before. They were fearful of God. Also, a new feeling. They felt unworthy to appear before God. They felt separation and isolation. Thus, fellowship between God and man was broken. Folks, this sin that affects, infects all of us, separated us from our creator, God, alienating us from God, this sin separates and alienates and is now the state in which all men live. Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us that our iniquities have separated us from God and that our sins have hidden his face from us. This means that sin has caused God's face to be hidden, and so is his favor. And if favor is not extended to us, then his judgment is assured to come to us. My friends, separation from God is man's greatest dilemma and is a theological problem. It is man's problem with God. That Now, not that God is the problem, but that man has a problem with God because God does not accept him. This describes the vacuum of emptiness that is in the man's heart, left empty when man sinned. Nothing can ever fill this emptiness except God. In man's current position, his heart is filled with dread and emptiness. Our hearts remain restless until the heart rests in God. Now let's look at man's social problems, separation from man. 
Being separated from a holy God is one thing, but did you know and realize that mankind is so evil and sinful that they are separated among themselves? Man is an alien to each other and hostile in attitudes of sin towards their fellow men. These are the main social problems in society. Individuals just can't get along today, not like decades ago. Today, today the family unit is broken and cannot pro uh, properly relate, and true friendship is a thing of the past. War is all around us. Even groups of uh, like-minded people cannot exist peacefully. James chapter 4, 1 through 3 puts it all together. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Your lust and are you lust and do not have? You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Man is selfish. To, uh, man is selfish to self. He constantly wants and wants and is never satisfied. In this state of mind, it is impossible for individuals to relate properly towards each other. We have, as explained in an earlier chapter, lifted up ourselves and further separated ourselves from God. We find no peace in or among ourselves. Every house is full of resentment and hatred within the heart towards every individual. When we look at man in his pure nature, or excuse me, in his pure natural state, his only interest is himself. He is the center of his own world. This relates to a major problem and, conf and conflicts with all others who are in the same predicament because every person seeks his own satisfaction even at the cost of others. Now we know that everybody can't have their way. Somebody has to set the rule. The psychological problems are separated from yourself. We have found now in this section of uh, this chapter that man is basically alone. He is separated from God because of sin, separated from other people in society because of self-worship, and now we will see that his psychological problem separates him from himself. Now, if you watch TV and you see all the commercials today that talk about what you look like and how you dress and all that, it separates people because they, they feel like some people feel like psychologically that they can't meet uh, the standard that's portrayed on the television uh, of what people should look like, and it separates them from who they really are. Just be yourself. Be your spiritual self that God gave you, and don't worry about what other people look like. If you will remember in Jeremiah 17, 9, it said, Man's heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, and who can understand it? And it goes on, let's say, that who can understand it except God? God is the only one that knows the depth of evilness. The Bible speaks of the heart as that inner part that is deep inside the abdomen. It reflects directly with the soul. And when the thought comes from the mind about an issue, the heart and soul bring the act to fruition. The condition of man is evil and divided. We as humans in our fallen state do not grasp our true condition. We cannot know ourselves or what we are capable of. Man is separated from self because he not only cannot grasp his condition, but he is not capable of grasping it. He, he's not capable of getting it. 
The inability of the individual to comprehend his condition contribute to the psychological problems with which man is confronted. He is torn and tossed within with emotions and cannot control that he cannot control and does not fully understand what's going on. This lack of understanding is complicated by man's created complex existence of conscious and unconscious. The heart is unknown because it springs up in man's living and uh, living in that contribute to uh, and dictate his actions. John 30 or John 7 verse 38, Jesus said, "He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." So without Jesus, the heart of man springs forth untruth, confusion, sin, and dismay. In an attempt to better understand man, it must originate with the revelation of God and not the internal or external condition of the circumstance. It is God and only God that knows man, and it must be God that informs man of the facts regarding him. I have said many times in other writings that God is the only one that knows the true capacity or capability of man and what he is able to accomplish in his original perfect state of existence. No one knows what we are capable of except God. Sin has destroyed all this. Without the definite word from God, man is left to struggle in the midst of questions and doubt with no hope of insight and no hope of improvement. For there to be understanding, God must speak and man must listen. Man is a creature and created by God. Simple facts about man are found throughout the scriptures and form the foundation of truth that lead to further investigation. Without these truths in place, there is not even a particle bit, partial bit of understanding. God is the creator man. Man is made in the image of God meaning that man is not from the animals or like the animals. God's image in man has been marred by sin reflected in both nature and conduct. The fundamental problem of man is moral, which requires a lawgiver, a command, a responsibility, and an accountability. Because man is a moral creature, there must be repentance and forgiveness. Thus, man's purpose must be understood in terms of God. Man is not whole, he is not um, unified, and, and this is his problem. Instead, there is fracture and brokenness, meaning there is guilt and regret. The psychological deficiencies manifest themselves from man's chaos. Brokenness, man's separation from himself, is a result of his separation from God, and the psychological problem originate in the theological problem. So it all starts and comes because we're not with God or in God. How can man be reconciled to himself while he is not reconciled to God? What a great statement of truth is found here. How can we, the creature, be at peace when he is at war with the creator? The crucial point of issue in the, is the finished work of Christ. Only in his brokenness can our brokenness be healed. Only in the cross is there forgiveness and reconciliation. In the cross, man sees the depths of his wretchedness and finds in the same event his only salvation. Now, the environmental problem is separation from the world. In the beginning, man was appointed by God 
to have dominion over the earth and his creation. Now Satan wanted to wreck the eternal holiness of man and could care less about the rest of God's creation. So man is very dependent upon the existence of the environment that he exists in. He depends on its precise nature and the complexity of operation for his very survival. Yet because of man's sinfulness, he has become the victim of his environment. Okay, in the Garden of Eden, the environment was a friend unto man. But now it is man's enemy, resulting in a struggle for man to survive. Man's environment in all its dimensions is full of thorns and thistles. These thorns and thistles are a continual fight for man to maintain life in this contrary environment we live in. The land is worked by man as he attempts to maintain life. The fertility of the land is lacking. The rains short or fall short every year, and every day pests and insects wreak with all their unpleasantries, destroying everything that man tries to grow and eat to eat and so forth. The the pests and insects wreck it. Now man builds and builds, yet all is futile. The termites eat the wood that he builds with. The environmental calamity of storms and tornadoes and the like tear up and destroy. Then depending on where you are in the world, there are earthquakes and volcanoes and the natural disasters of the unfriendly environment. Could go on and on. From a more personal uh, level, there is uh, fear of violent animals, for example, and aggravation of pests. So as we can see, the environment of our natural world is no friend of man either. So what has man done in return to the unfriendly environment, which originally belonged to God? Well, he has dumped his trash and pollutants in the rivers and the streams, buried his contamination in the oceans of the world, has dumped millions of tons of contaminants into the air, and on and on we go, but I think we get the picture, do we not? Involved in this aspect of separation is man's abuse of the earth. While the earth has made, was made for man and not the reverse, man does have the responsibility to manage his dominion properly, but he has not done so. In both secular and religious writings, the accounts of man's abuse of the earth can be found. The abuses uh, do lead to judgment and investing or, or excuse me an interesting verse in Revelation chapter 11 verse 17 through 18 tells us the following we give you thanks O Lord God Almighty the one who is and who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and reigned the nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. There is justice in the universe, and God will judge those who have no regard for the earth that he has created. Folks, today we need to realize that Jesus Christ is the answer for man. He is the only answer for man. He's always been that answer for man since after the crucifixion and since the death, burial, and the resurrection. He died to buy man's salvation, 
so that man could return and be uh, with God in fellowship. And we have to believe this and accept it. Jesus died for all the sins of the world. He's already paid the price. Whether if you believe it and accept the gift or not, that's your decision. But he's already paid the price. So it's a free gift. God gives it to us. We should accept it and be thankful for it because that gives us eternal life uh, in heaven forever and ever. Thank you so much for being with me today and, and joining us for this broadcast. And so until next time, I pray that God will richly bless each and every one of you. And we'll just have our closing prayer and we'll be dismissed.